0: You know, whenever you're asked to speak, when the pastor's out of town, you're a little wondering because, generally speaking, they bring the youth pastor in, and youth pastors always suffer from something in the music business we call LD, low draw. It's that moment like, man, the pastor's out of town, maybe this is my moment to sleep in. I mean, think about it, you know? No, I'm, But it's amazing, you guys all came out anyway, and I really appreciate that. Um, Please keep them in your prayer, Jamie and the gang, and, and uh, Amanda as well. For those of you that know about Freedom's Promise, they're on their way to Vietnam right now. I mean, keep them in your prayers um, for safety and for God's will and purpose to be done, and, and and maybe a special prayer that maybe Jamie's jokes will survive the language barrier. <laughs> I don't know if 80s jokes will survive through Portuguese, because maybe, you know how some cultures are a little behind. Maybe they're just getting to the 80s, so he's going to make fun of his parachute pants people are like, wait a minute, I'm wearing, no, um, I'm excited to hear what uh, what happens when they get back, the stories are always amazing, and if you've never had a chance to be on the front lines of the kingdom, man, think about it, uh, if, the, if the Lord moves you in that direction, don't say no, because the beauty of that is that when you're out there, not only are people's lives being changed uh, that you're speaking to, but as the, the word, as the spirit moves through you, you're needs are met as well and you come back it's just amazing it's like what happened when jesus sent out the disciples two by two right they came back and it says that they were full of joy from what they had seen and that's a, that's something that's so true today so um be praying for them and again praying for yourself if the lord might speak to your heart to uh, to do that there's lots of opportunities i love this church because it's so much like it was in the book of acts people were just going just doing just going to go to Vietnam, let's go, you know, let's go to Brazil, let's, go. I mean, in our community, let's go, that's, the church was always very fluid in that day, it wasn't static, it was just moving, it was flowing, it was, we'll go here for a while, and the Lord will move you here and go there, and that's what it was like then, and I feel like that's what happens at Journey, so, uh, if you don't know me, and I know some of you in here, but my name is Darren Tyler, um, I have two first names and answer to either one of them, and I've been a member here, or a partner, or whatever, what, are the, what is the semantics that we're calling it? Partners partner here. Um, we, we've been attending for a while now, and we love it. We walked in the first Sunday and thought, oh, this is home. I don't know. Maybe some of you felt that same thing, but that was it. It felt like that, and so we've been here and have got to know the, the family here, and uh, uh, I don't know if you've met Gary uh, Ironman Carter, but <laughs> Gary and I have been working out together, and uh, and Gary, he, he saw that uh, the Karate Kid, that line where mercy is for the week. Was that what it was that he says to me when I'm I'm under like 400 pounds or whatever, Darren, come on, man, so uh, he's been helpful in in pushing me in that direction, so we get to work out every day, and and, uh, that's been a a huge blessing, so all that to say, I'm glad to be here this morning, and excited to share what uh, God has put on my heart, and to let you know a little bit about, you know, Gary shared about Conduit, but, you know, the word is such this amazing thing that God has given us, and If you're just new to it, you think, well, I I don't want to, you know, I don't understand it. It's confusing. It's, I don't want to go deep. And then some of you have been at this for a long time and you want to go deeper. And the beauty of the word is this is it's got, you can start anywhere, whether you're experienced, whether you're not. It's, I don't know if you grew up on a lake or around a lake, near a lake. If you're in Minnesota, like the whole thing is a lake just surrounded by some land. But we had, well, actually we had more like a pond, but it was called a lake where I was from. And, you know, you go down to the pond, the lake. And you could do some, you know, some sports on top of the water, right? There was, uh, you had the jet skiing, you know, you had the sea doos and all those things. Um, but then underneath the water, you know, there's always those urban legends, right? Of uh, like that, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but like the, the dam and then there was the, the scuba divers had to go down and fix it and there was a catfish the size of a car and they didn't want, you know, has anybody ever heard that story? Because it happened in every dam in America, apparently. Um, <laughs> everywhere you go, dude, man, those divers and he was so scared, he never went back down. Underneath the water is so much more. You know, when you're in, in, uh, in the tropics, and there again, there's sports on top of the water, then there's the sports under the water. And that's kind of what conduit is, is saying, hey, look, we can have a blast on the surface of the Word. And you can walk away feeling absolutely invigorated and renewed because the Word does that. And then there's this moment where you go deeper, you dive under the water. and it, you know, Sometimes you got to prepare a little bit and have some special equipment. But man, when you get below the surface... Man, you find this whole new world that exists, and that's what Conduit has been about. It's about getting deeper into the Word, and we do it every Sunday night 7 o'clock at the listening room, um, just right in downtown Franklin. It's, it's an amazing little place, and uh, so if you ever want to, you know, get out and join us on a Sunday night, every, I know everybody's busy, You've, you know, we've got like four kids, we've got a lot going on, so no pressure at all, but if you want to go deeper in the Word, just know that you're invited uh, to join us on that, so if you would, go to Genesis 49 with me. And everybody said, man, thank you, Darren, for not making us go to Habakkuk. You love it when the guy says to go to Genesis. I can find that one. It is that awkward moment of, should I go to the table of contents? I'm pretty much lost at this point, so maybe I'll just act like I'm there. Maybe you've never done that. Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine... A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Last week, if you were here, you heard Jamie talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and he did an amazing job. He uh, he said he had to cram three weeks into one day, and I thought he did a great job of that. And this week, we're going to come back, and we're going to hit it from a different side with the fruit of the Spirit, because the gift of the Spirit, that's the thing that God puts in you and I the tools that are gifts to us, right, and to, to do what we need to do. He's empowering us to do these things, these gifts. They're given to us. The fruit of the Spirit is different, right? It's actually something that occurs inside of us. It's created in us, okay? Gift given to us, fruit created in us. Does this make sense? And this is the first time in the Bible where you see fruit actually mentioned as like an analogy, and, you know, we, we, at the beginning you saw where, you know, God told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And, and those commands often of being fruitful. This is the first time where it was actually a picture of, 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 of an analogy of a life that's full, that's rich. And it says that Joseph, this is Jacob at the end of his life. If you remember Jacob, if not, we'll get the flannel graphs out. You'll remember him then. But Jacob was, the, was old. He was like 150 years old and he was dying and he brings his boys in and he's blessing them. And he gets to Joseph and he says, Dude, you're a fruitful vine. Now, to you and I, that'd be like, that's all I got? That's all? (laughs) That's what I get? (laughs) But if you're Joseph, that meant something. A fruitful vine planted by a well whose branches run over the wall. It was a blessing that spoke to what Joseph was, what Joseph would be. And we see the analogy again in Psalms 1. And you don't have to go there just for the sake of time. But Psalm 1, David talks about a tree that's planted by the water. Do you remember this passage? It was planted by the water, and in in due season, its fruit would come forward. Fruit. In Song of Solomon, what a great book, huh? All the guys are like, yeah. Song of Solomon, which in reality, by the way, is a picture of the king and his love for his bride, a picture of you and I. And in Song of Solomon 4, this passage where it talks about he's, he's coming to her and the garden and the fruit and the fruit, the fruit for the king that she had grown, us, fruit in our life. Fruit, the fruit of the spirit. Jesus said this in John 15, and we're going to camp out there if you want to go there. We're going to be there for a little bit this morning, so we won't be flipping around a whole bunch. But John 15, fruit is what Jesus said in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 15. verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, right? I chose you, appointed you to go, and what? Bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's it. Jesus said, that's your deal. That's my deal. Fruit. We're here to bear fruit. And I think that as we kind of unpack this a little bit this morning, what would be really, really helpful is if if Jesus has called you and he's called me to bear fruit, We might ought to know what that is, right? So we know what it looks like. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, specifically like a ministry that's in in massive trouble or some guy that's doing some pretty, you know, not so good things. And they'll say, oh, but look, a lot of people are getting saved, so they're bearing a lot of fruit. So then we wash it under the carpet while he's bearing a lot of fruit. What is fruit really? And you'll see in several times in the scripture, like Colossians 1, it talks about good works as a fruit unto God. Romans, it talks about that giving is a fruit unto God. Hebrews, it refers to the fruit of our lips being worshiped. But what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about, that fruit that we bear and grow inside of us? Galatians 5, I think, gives the absolute perfect picture. I about put a candle out with that one. Perfect picture in Galatians 5. 22 and you know this if you've been to sunday school you probably had to memorize them and put them on three by five cards you might have even saw them again with the flannel graphs like apple was the fruit of whatever you know what i mean to, to memorize these things and it says in galatians 5 the beautiful picture of what jesus is talking about when he says you and i are to bear fruit it says this verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control <coughs> self-control Self-control That's the fruit of the Spirit Now, if you are astute Bible students, people that dig into the Word You might have noticed something Especially if you were an English major Now, I grew up in Nebraska English, I mean, that was, you know, whatever In fact, I grew up in a town If you've been around me, you've heard me say this, where it was so tiny and so remote that our teachers were one of two things, categories. One, a farmer's wife, okay? Two, teacher who couldn't get work anywhere else. (laughs) They'd ship them in, as evidenced by the fact that our art teacher was legally blind. I'm just saying. (laughs) Our government teacher in 1988, 89, got hauled out of the (laughs) <laughs> got hauled out of the, the classroom in handcuffs for making threats against the IRS. We had an anti-government government teacher. Okay? So keeping in mind, I've been told, and I don't know this for sure, it might be Iowa, but I'm pretty sure in Nebraska, if I'm to hang my high school diploma in the window, it actually qualifies me to park in handicap spots around America. And I'm just saying, even with that education, okay, I know that fruit of the Spirit is is singular but it's plural but it's not do you know what I'm saying so what what meanest these things (laughs) the fruit of the spirit is is a singular statement except that he goes on and lists a whole bunch of stuff how, why Paul not know how to write he was one of the most educated men that wrote in the New Testament this was on purpose now follow me see if you can smell what I'm stepping in here's what it is The fruit of the Spirit is love, okay? Singular. I'm going to suggest to you, and I'm going to back it up in a minute, so don't run out and declare heresy or stone me or anything. I'm going to suggest to you that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and these other things listed are all parts of love. If fruit of the Spirit, okay, if fruit of the Spirit is love, okay, that's the fruit, then joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, that's the texture the flavor, the taste of what love, in fact, is. Do you see what I'm saying? It's an apple, absolutely. The apple is juicy, hopefully. It's firm. It's bursting with country, fresh flavor. (laughs) Those are all elements of the apple, okay? The apple is juicy. Juicy is not the apple, Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's juicy, right, but you can have a juicy steak. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. But when it's all under this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and everything else becomes the texture, the flavor, the taste, the experience of love. It's not just mushy and tingly and BFF. We're going to text each other love. It's got a personality. Don't you think maybe that's what Paul meant when he said in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient, love is kind? Look at that list and cross it with this, and it's basically the same list. The fruit of the Spirit, gang, is love. The evidence of the Spirit of your life isn't, can you, <laughs> can you run a lap in here with a flag? You know, not that there's anything wrong with expressing yourself in worship. Don't hear me say that. But that's not the evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The evidence of it is love in your life and my life the fruit of the spirit is love got it let's move on how do we get this thing this love in our life because i don't know about you but that doesn't occur very naturally in me some of you guys who work with me on a day-to-day basis know that you know what i can be a jerk it is not natural for you or for i to have love in every situation to encounter it right just like any you know You can walk into one of these home and garden stores and you can see a big old bowl of fake fruit and think, that looks real, until you take a bite of it. You can fake it, but it isn't real. So when you go back to what what Jesus was saying in John, go back to John 15 again, the question of what is love, I mean, what is the fruit of the Spirit is love, the question is now how do we get it? Jesus says in verse, um, where do we start? Four, let's go back to 15 verse four. Remain in me king james i think it says abide in me and i will remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me verse five i am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing i don't know if you aware of the new craze in america but like you know, a lot of the rich people decide they want to have vineyards, right? So you got them like all over here now. If you're driving by one of the local vineyards on the way home and think, you know, I'd like to have grapes for the winter. I think I'll go break some branches off and take them home with me. Or in my case, when I was a little kid back in Nebraska, Mrs. Groves, everybody had the, uh, the neighbor that was, if that ball comes over the fence one more time, it's my neighbor, you know? <laughs> Mrs. Groves was that neighbor to us. And Mrs. Groves had this cherry tree that would grow over into our yard In her yard, okay But it would grow into our yard Now unfortunately for Mrs. Grove the, We had access to the rotten cherries That we could then blitzkrieg the side of her house When she wasn't watching And did on many occasions We'd see Mr. Grove out there With his hose washing it And just giggling Now the fact is Is if it was getting to be winter I couldn't just go break off a branch Of Mrs. Grove's cherry tree And take it inside So I could have ammunition Right? And the reason is is because it's not attached to the tree anymore. The good news about bearing fruit is this: It's easy. It's easy if you stay attached to the tree, attached to the vine. Because the good news about it is that in due season, if you're attached, if you're a branch and you're just attached to the vine, then there's no work, there's no toil, there's no struggle. Frustration, it just happens. Fruit happens. I've never driven by an apple tree where I didn't, where I saw the apple tree out there going, ah, fruit! Ah." Working and sweating and toiling. I mean, that's dumb. It doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen because fruit, real fruit, is a result of something else that has happened. There's a reason why Jesus, now keeping in mind, I'm a full-figured man, and I look at the word, and I would say, man, if I'm the Lord, why not make this fruit analogy, this picture, something a little more tasty and inviting, like salted and cured meats or something. You know, something that was, do you know what I'm saying? Like the salted and cured meat of the Spirit. That sounds tasty to me maybe some, some the french fries of the spirit I, I'm just saying something because in our country fruit you can go to the grocery store I think the main reason isn't well two things one because it was a picture and a mental picture for them a delicacy something that that would only come in season and they didn't again they didn't have walmart you know what I'm saying you're aware of that right they didn't have a produce department they didn't have those little apples at mcdonald's with a shelf life of 20 years they had fruit. <laughs> the picture is this though. If you've been to a salted and cured meat plant, you understand something in a hurry. That stuff is made. Okay? Sausage is made. Fruit grows, it occurs naturally. It's a result of something in the right environment, in the right situation that just happens. You go to a salted and cured meat factory and you just hear like machines whirring and guys toiling, they get them cute little. Things over their head, hair, and that things, and over their, some of them over their chins. So you don't get, you know, hair in your sausage. Which I don't know why we'd be worried about that. I mean, you're aware of what happens in sausage. You understand. It's like, it's like chicken lips. And, you know what I mean? It's not meat. Anyway, whatever they've swept off, off the floor, that's Jimmy Dean's right there. So, but it's work, it's effort, it's toiling, it's frustration. Fruit is not that. It's just peaceful. You know, Gary was talking about the daffodils this morning. What's happening is just this natural thing, this result of abiding in Him. They're attached to it. And you and I, and I think it's so crucial that we get this because I got to tell you, it doesn't happen naturally in my life. And I bet it doesn't happen naturally in yours. It's only a result of... Because when you look at that list, okay, and then you try, to, you try to impose it over the top of you while you're just trying to drive downtown, Okay? And you have all these opportunities to not be patient, to not be kind, to not be long-suffering, to just want to pop into the hove lane. You know what I'm saying? You just don't, just that alone is a situation where you're just not natural in us. But what God is saying to you and to me, what Jesus is saying to you and I, is it can happen, but it's supernatural. It's a result of not anything you or I can do. I can fake it, And it might look like it for a little bit, but if you get close to it at all, you're going to understand that it is fake, it's temporal, and it won't last. The real abiding in him is just that. That's what it is, abiding in him. And I love this picture because when you see what happened with Joseph, the table is a little misshapen, if you can tell from the front. When you see Joseph, it says what? That he was planted by a well. In Psalm, it was a tree planted by the water the water an analogy of the word jesus says if you abide in me and what my words abide in you you will bear much fruit gang that's what it is it's not some i got to get up in the morning laboriously is that a word laboriously make myself do this thing i'm just hanging in there That's how the fruit happens. The branch is just hanging in there. Hanging in there on a daily basis attached to the vine. And as I do that on a daily basis, not because I have to, because I get to, because I need to, in due time and in season, the fruit happens. And you'll just see it. It'll be this weird thing. You'll be like, wow, I just reacted really well to that. I had an urge to give that man the universal sign of disapproval (laughs) and I did not (laughs) it just happens you're abiding in him it's relaxing Jesus says my burden is light and we make it so heavy we make it so hard and we're out there going oh I'm gonna love that guy if it's the last thing I do jerk And it's not that. It wasn't meant to be that way. Jesus says, I've called, I've appointed you to bear much fruit. Now, look, we're going to circle around here. This is when the plane is circling, okay? So get ready. We're coming in for a landing. Maybe some of you in here this morning are like, hey, that's great, Darren. That was nice. Let's get back to worship. We can go home. Hang with me. I think we know what fruit is. We know how it happens in our life. We don't make it happen. It happens. It happens as a result of something else. I wanna land on this, why? Who cares? Why does it matter? I like flipping people off on the interstate. Maybe that's you, I don't know. I like being angry, you know, maybe you're enjoying that, but I'm saying, why does it matter? The answer is because, I'm gonna give you three of them, okay? I'm not a very big three points on the truth kinda guy, but I got three reasons that I think it's important, and the first and the foremost is because it's important to Jesus. if you looked in the song of Solomon chapter 4 5 the end there it talks about the king our king we're the bride that fruit isn't for me it's for the king for his enjoyment for his pleasure the branch man my needs are met while I'm bearing fruit but this is not about me you remember in Mark 11 when Jesus cursed the fig tree? It always confused me. I didn't understand that. I'm like, man, the tree, just the church has a tree, Jesus. What's the big deal? Leave him alone. And I understand you're God and all, but he went by this tree, and it was not bearing fruit, and he cursed it, and it wasn't out of anger, as I've grown older understanding that. It wasn't out of frustration. Man, he was painting a picture for his disciples that this was a tree, that should have been bearing fruit. It was the time for fruit. It looked like it should have had fruit. The leaves, everything was there. It was a tree that looked like it should have been fruitful. It was a tree that maybe had that little Jesus thing on its bumper sticker. It was a tree that had little tabs in its Bible. You know what I'm saying? A tree that went to church every Sunday. And Jesus is saying, look, if if, if this hear me on this if, if this tree is not going to provide fruit for me the, 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 the king then there will be no fruit for anyone it starts with Jesus it starts with us providing and producing fruit not for us but for him and he painted a picture for his disciples that day that lives on for me to this day that I can fake it all day long and I can look like I should be a fruitful guy but if I'm not and it doesn't start with Jesus then there's, it's dying from the roots up From the inside out, there will be no fruit for anybody, you included. The second thing is that not only is it important to Jesus, but the reason it's important to Jesus is that because you yourself will be fulfilled in this process. The purpose, Jesus says, your purpose, my purpose, I've called and appointed you to do what? To bear much fruit. And Jesus is saying... In that situation, that our lives, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to be. And when you're doing what you're called to do, being what you're supposed to be, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Period. You're fulfilling your purpose. Now, we think I got to figure out what my purpose is, and we apply careers, where do I live? Those are all cursory. To the real thing, which is if we're bearing fruit, whether you're in Brazil, whether you're in Haiti, whether you're in Williamson County, you're fulfilled. It has nothing to do with your circumstances around you and everything to do with whether you're attached to the vine. And in doing so, bearing fruit, fruit that will last, you yourself are satisfied. And I want you to know that, look, if you're in here this morning and maybe you're battling depression... You're broken down. You've got some stuff that's waiting on you. Jesus says what? I've spoken these words that my joy might be in you. In chapter 15, I think it's verse 8, but I don't know. That my words may be in you, that you may be joyful, that your joy may be complete. If you're battling those things in your life, Man, I challenge you to plug back into the vine. Get grafted back in again. Because in that, when you're fruitful, when your life is about bearing fruit for the Father, for Jesus the King, for those around you, that fruit is what fulfills you. You're like, Darren, you have no idea what's going on in my life. And you're right, I don't. But Jesus does, did. And he said, not me, I said these things so that your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Joy is so much different than happiness. Joy is so much deeper. Joy is the kind of thing that you can be in the middle of a situation like where Paul was. Paul was in prison, all right? And if you look in any one of the epistles that Paul wrote from prison, notice what he didn't say. God, pray. I'd I'd be on every prayer list in town, you know what I'm saying? He didn't say, pray that I get out of here. He'd say, man, pray that God's work could be done in here with me through me he was a fruitful guy he's full of joy even in those situations and the good news gang is you and i can be too and the best news is we don't even have to fake it we don't have to make it happen it doesn't have to be in our flesh galatians right before it talks about the fruit of the spirit it talks about the works of the flesh right you can work at it all day long but the fruit of the spirit is it says man that's just natural and it's occurring naturally in your life the third reason This is when your seat table, your seats go up, your tray table is locked and they're upright in positions. Third reason is this. Because it affects those around us. Joseph, his fruit, his vine, it says what went over the wall just like Mrs. Grove's cherry tree reached into the Tyler kid's yard so that the four Tyler boys, the killer tees, could have fruit. (laughs) It reached over into those worlds, and I gotta tell you, if we're being fruitful, not only does it affect Jesus, the King, does it affect you and I personally, and brings joy and fulfillment into our lives, it affects everybody around us. I mean, Mom, did you blow it with the kids this week? Dad, did you blow it with Mom? <laughs> did you lose your cool? Did you not, were you not patient? Were you not long-suffering? it affects everybody around you. And I want to take it a step further and say that, and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the body of Christ in America, man, we got a perception problem out there. If you haven't read this book, I recommend that you read a book called UnChristian by David Kinnaman from the Barna organization. And they've done research for the last three years, I believe. People in their 20s and 30s, which were a room for I have a few of those in here this morning, and they found something out. That when they ask someone who is, quote-unquote, an outsider, someone who maybe isn't a part of a fellowship, someone who maybe used to be in church, because I would tell you what was fascinating to me was how many they interviewed, they're saying the majority of the folks we interviewed actually were in church at one point, and they walked away from it. They were in a relationship with God, and they walked away from it. And they also said that many that are still in the church still have these same perceptions of what, quote-unquote, the church is, and that perception is this. They say that we're arrogant. 87% of them. That we have, quote, swagger. Interviewing people in their 20s and 30s. That's what they're saying about the church. That's what Katie Couric thinks about me. Do you know what I'm saying? She doesn't know me, but if she did. When they look at the church, that's what they see. 10 years ago, it wasn't like that. And don't get me wrong. I want you to know, I understand this, okay? That Jesus says that the world would hate us. So I understand that. So don't. Just hang with me. Understand, I get that part. And if you've been to China, if you've been to Russia, if you've been to Turkey, you understand that the world will hate us. But they don't hate us because we're arrogant or have swagger. In America, this interesting thing has happened. They're looking at us and instead of seeing a body of Christ, and and it's a broad sweeping statement, and I know it doesn't include everybody, I'm just saying for the purpose of our conversation that in America right now, that the generation that is just behind me many of you in here the stream this morning man you're looking at the church you're, maybe you're saying that is right i i really feel like that for the most part i've been hurt by a church somewhere somebody who was arrogant or somebody who was mean or somebody who was full of themselves or what i found fascinating when i read this book was how none of them when you cross reference with the fruits of the spirit the church wasn't known for that it was almost known for the exact opposite of every one of those points we weren't patient We weren't long-suffering. We're judgmental. You know, these are the things that they're looking at us with. And I just want to—I'm just going to float it out there and say to you this morning that what if it could be different? I think journey already is. I love it that part of the atmosphere here is that we don't just got to come in and serve here. The encouragement is to serve the community as well. Coach the little league teams. Volunteer at the school. Be in the community. We got them in Brazil right now. We've folks in in Vietnam today. We're seeing the fruits of the Spirit come from out of here. What if in America the church actually started abiding in Him, and those fruits run over the wall? Now they might not like the message. Okay, I don't say we changed the message. I'm saying we changed the presentation of it. And as the presentation is changed out of love. Out of humility, out of kindness, long-suffering, patience. I think we change the conversation. Let them reject the message on the merits of the message, but not on the presentation. Please, let us not cause someone to walk away because we were arrogant about it. Do you know what I'm saying? I would say... How about that? I would say that where we stand right now it would take time and I understand that but you know what love is patient and yeah but Darren maybe they'll take advantage of us love is kind it takes no account of wrongs done against it and as we begin to change our dynamic if they're known it, I just I find it absolutely fascinating that the church is known far and wide because of our desire for gun control. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't have an opinion on it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, how how do we get known for that? How do we not get known for fighting for the poor and the vulnerable? Why is it that that is the way it is? And I think we just got to change the conversation. According to the book, it only took 10 years to get us into this situation. Let's devote 10 years of our own service, of selfless service to the kingdom. I think we could change the conversation. Now let's, here's the landing, okay? The wheels are down. I want to come back to one point because sure as I'm standing here right now, somebody heard this this morning and thought, Darren, I'm not fruitful. Man, I have absolutely lost my mind on my children this week. I have been not patient. I'm not long-suffering. And maybe your tendency Maybe your tendency is to beat yourself down. To just say, I can't, ah, just a man. To, to, to camp out on what you didn't do and what you didn't do right. And if I can encourage you this morning, can I encourage you to not do that? And maybe some of you are going, yeah, but Darren, look, I read verse one. You, I noticed you skipped right over that. Go back with me to verse one of chapter 15. I am the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Look, look Darren, I, he's going to cut me off. And I've been around the church long enough that I've been bloodied and I've been you know, beaten by that passage. Someone said, See, look, look, he'll, he'll cut you right off. God's going to cut you down. The Johnny Cash song? If you were to look at that phrase, he cuts off every branch, verse 2, in the original Greek, it's a word called airo. I think I just gave it a Spanish flair. Airo. It doesn't mean cut off. I don't understand the translation because when you look at that word, what it means is he lifts up. John 11, there's several different passages where that word is used and it's only ever used in that one way where it is to lift up. Jesus lifted up his head, iro. If you're a, a vineyard person, vineyardian, whatever that is, you understand that as sometimes the, the weather's happening, the storms are beating down and the branches are getting stuck down in the mud. And you've got to spend time bringing them up. The gardener is coming through to lift up the branches. And then it says that those are bearing fruit that he prunes, that word is kitharo, which is where we get our word, catharsis, which is cleaning, washing it. Jesus isn't here to cut you off and to beat you down. He's here to lift you up and to wash you, the kitharo, the catharsis, so that in verse 3 it says that you are already clean because of what the word that I have spoken to you. We just stop right now, understanding that Jesus is going to clean you, lift you up, pull you out of the mud so that you could bear even more fruit. God's not mad at you. He just wants you to attach yourself to the vine. It's an open invitation for you and for me to just attach to the vine, to hang in there. Whatever's blowing around, we're attached to the vine. And in the middle of that, that is what causes us to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And as we're bearing fruit, our vine's going over the walls. We're not only pleasing our Father, we're not only bringing joy to our King. I don't understand how Jesus can be... Alright, I'm done with that. (laughs) I don't understand how Jesus can be made more happy. Like, He owns stars and stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? You think your dad's hard to buy a gift for? But somehow it says, in this my Father is glorified, Jesus. says that you bear much fruit. We can make him happy. In this my Father is glorified. So we're bringing glory to him, making him happy. And because of that, then you and I are personally fulfilled. Because we're doing what we're made, what we're created, what Jesus has called and appointed you and I to be. And then, if that weren't enough, as our vines are going over the walls, we're bringing fruit, love, which looks like patience and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness. As we bring that love to the world around us, I mean, I've got to tell you, I've seen the guys with the bullhorns and the end is near signs. I've got to think, that if we're quote-unquote going to reach our community, isn't this a better way? Bring them fruit. Bring them love. Bring them long-suffering that doesn't take account of any of the wrongs that they've done to you. That is what it means to bear fruit, to be fruitful. Does this make sense? I want you to pray about it, and I want you to know that if some of you, and I don't know everybody, so I'm just saying this morning, as, as we're about to begin to worship Some of you might have a moment where you're thinking, Darren, I've not been attached to the vine, ever. I've never, ever entered into a relationship with the Lord. The good news is, is right where you're sitting, the Bible says, if if you'd call upon the name of the Lord, you'd be saved. And I want you to know that myself and Gary will be down here. If you want to come talk afterwards, we'd be glad to pray with you. You can attach yourself to the vine. Those of you that maybe you've, maybe you've uh, been a little withered or haven't been attached to the vine, I want to encourage you that, today, this day that you can reattach and man, the amazing thing if you're a gardener understand about grafting in that it just works and slowly and in due season without work without energy without freaking out fruit happens. I want to encourage you to do that this morning just to make a moment where you are putting a flag in the ground and attaching back to the vine again and as we worship Brian and the team are back. We've done such an amazing job of leading us this morning. I want you to maybe chew on these things. Those of you that have your journals with you or a piece of paper, maybe write write out some things. Because abiding is just this. I mean, you're writing out, God, this is what I can do in my life. I can get back into the Word. I mean, again, the Word is, the water is what it talks about. So you're abiding in Him and His Word's in you. It doesn't just reading it, it's knowing it. It's ingesting it, it's meditating on it it's thinking about it, going man I just read that this morning I wonder what that means, just begin this process where you're abiding in him and that's where the fruit comes from so I encourage you to do that as you leave today to make a moment tomorrow and the next day and every day, not again out of works the works of the flesh, not that because you need to, because you get to because it's part of being in a vineyard and as we worship I want to I'm going to end honestly with this worship is simple it's always bringing something that's valuable to you and leaving it behind as we worship we're gonna be leaving behind our pride our arrogance our egos all those things that are important in our lives and some of us this morning are gonna worship with our giving as well if you look around there's a box here we don't do any of that high pressure stuff when it comes to giving but worship the Lord with your giving this morning as well leave that behind in one of these boxes and uh, love you pray that these words actually sink in and maybe mean to you what I know they meant to me.